Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome to this Monday episode of Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and I have a confession. It turns out I have a love-hate relationship with the newscast delivered by Maria Chaleos. Uh, here's what I love about them. Every single story is just a rock star, uh, home run, out of the park, wonderful story. Uh, here's the hate side of this relationship. These stories she delivers are so good that as I kick off every program, I am always distracted by something she says. And instead of preparing for uh, the conversation I'm supposed to have with you right now, which deals with uh, the very important question of Supreme Court term limits, and we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, but again, again today, Maria Chaleos has distracted me uh, from the task I have here at hand. Here's the story. It was the last one she delivered before uh, that quick news break or for that quick commercial break. And it was something I was considering just yesterday. And it is that there are malls around America right now, which may be due to the coronavirus uh, doing without that decades-old tradition of having kids line up and sit on Santa's lap uh, and whisper into his ear what they'd like under the Christmas tree this year. Now, why was I thinking about it yesterday? Well, you see, I've got this little baby. I I know. I I talk about her all the time, and any time I mention Little Piper, I get a text or two that says, "Uh, you know, Lee, uh, as is true with all parents, you, you are the only one who thinks that she is as cute as you claim she is. Well, no, you're all wrong. She is the cutest. And guess what? It's my radio show, so I'm talking about whatever I want. I was thinking just yesterday about uh, what Maria shared with us in the newscast, that this coronavirus is likely going to do away with that tradition. This will be, uh, now, not Piper's first Christmas, uh, but last Christmas she was way too small to be sitting on uh, Santa's lap. But this year, this year would have been the year. We would have got that beautiful picture, and yeah, I would have paid the exorbitant price they charge with the professional photographer, uh, you know, who stands in your way so you can't take a cell phone picture yourself. Uh, I would have paid the price. I would have, oh, I would have paid the upgrade price, too, to get it inserted into some little Christmas ornament. We'd hang it up on the tree. Piper's first-ish Christmas. Well, maybe not this year. And it got me thinking. All of this, all of this in the few minutes just before the program started, after Maria Chaleos let it be known that malls around America would be handling things maybe a little differently, it got me wondering, is there any way that we can salvage this tradition? Is there any way that we can uh, somehow, somehow hold on uh, to, listen, I remember, I remember climbing up onto Santa's lap when I was young. Yeah, Marketplace Mall. That's where the cool kids shopped. (laughs) And uh, every year, right around Christmas time, uh, we'd climb up onto Santa's lap and he'd ask, yo, what do you want for Christmas? You've been a good boy, blah, blah, blah. Wonderful. I have been looking forward to, ever since I got married and well before that, to a time when I have a child myself and I could plop him or her down onto the lap of Santa Claus. Uh, and, you know, all the pictures are good, right? If they start crying, that's almost even better. You get more clicks on Facebook with the crying pictures. Uh, or if they're happy and joyous, which is good, too, you know, because you want your kids to be happy. <laughs> but it looks like this year uh, it may not be the case. I'll tell you what. Let's crowdsource this. Let's help our friends at mall management solve this problem. Maybe they can uh, still make a few pennies. That photographer can charge those uh, exorbitant prices. Because I'd like to see the tradition remain. 
How can we how can we do it in the era of COVID-19? How can we is there some sort of like plastic suit Santa could wear? Uh, Is there one of those deals, you know, where there's like a cutout of a character and you put your face through the cutout and you take a picture or something along those lines? Is there is there some way? I'm at a loss, and I haven't had too much time to brainstorm it. As you remember, uh, Maria delivered this news just a few moments ago. Uh, But I could use your help. 57500, that's the Utah Community Credit Union text line. If you've got some sort of uh, Santa Claus suggestion on how children can line up and hop on Santa's lap this year uh, somehow, or some approximation thereof, uh, I'd love to hear it. I'll tell you what, I I, I will do this. Uh, I don't know any mall executives, uh, but, uh, you know, I could could probably track down their numbers. Uh, Producer Amy could help me out. If you send me some suggestions, I will I will do this. I will track down a mall executive, and if that's even a thing, a mall owner, a mall opera, whatever. Whoever is the shot caller at the malls around town, I will track them down. Uh, we'll get them on the program, and I will deliver some of these suggestions. We'll just float them. We'll, we'll, we'll crowdsource it with your help, 575-00. How do we get kids on Santa's lap this year? We'll get that information uh, to the powers that be, the ones in charge of <laughs> mall Santas. All right. Uh, all right. Didn't expect to rant and rave about mall Santas here this morning. Uh, what I do want to speak about with you is uh, something that's happening tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow, there is a trio of Democrats in the House of Representatives uh, led by Ro Canna. He's a, a, a Democrat uh, out of California. He uh, he served uh, most recently uh, in conjunction with his uh, his responsibility, his seat in Congress. He served as the national co-chair of the Bernie Sanders 2020 presidential campaign. So that just gives you a a sense of his politics, if being a Democrat wasn't enough. He uh, will be tomorrow introducing a piece of legislation uh, under the title Supreme Court Term Limits and Regular Appointments Act. There are three, three fundamental elements to this piece of legislation. Number one, it would limit each president to being able to appoint only two Supreme Court uh, nominees, I'm sorry, uh, to nominate two Supreme Court candidates uh, each term. They'll be allowed to, should this piece of legislation go through, which it won't, but we'll get to that later. Uh, Should this piece of legislation go through, uh, a president will be able to nominate a a Supreme Court uh, justice in year one of their term and in year three of their term. And you can sort out why that's the case. You know, it uh, uh, eliminates the possibility of there being an election year uh, nomination. So that's that, that's a fundamental element number one, a fundamental uh, change from the way things are now. Number two would be this. Should a member of the Supreme Court nominated subsequent to the passage of this legislation uh, make it to 18 years of service, uh, their retirement would be compulsory. Now, not, not retirement exactly. I, I know you're thinking, oh, but the Constitution uh, says that they're appointed for life. Okay, uh, well, it's not so specific as to which judgeship. And so the workaround here in this legislation is that there would be a, essentially a demotion of sorts. They'd still be a federal judge, but not like a Supreme Court federal judge. Uh, they'd take a step down and uh, have some sort of cute title like special justice or something like that. Anyway, 18 years, 18-year term limit is the second fundamental change that this piece of legislation would bring about. And the third, the third is fascinating. The third is this, excuse me, should the president nominate someone 
uh, to fill a vacancy on the Supreme Court uh, or replace uh, an outgoing member of the Supreme Court. As you and I have been reminded recently, the next step in that process is for the nomination to go through with the advice and consent of the Supreme Court. I'm sorry, of the of the United States Senate. Okay, in this piece of legislation, it would require would require the Senate and the Senate doesn't like like being required to do much. If that gives you any indication as to the future of this legislation, Uh, it would require the Senate to make a move within 120 days. To have hearings, uh, to have a floor vote, to, to take action. Should the United States Senate decline to take any action, that shall be interpreted then as a refusal and it would ultimately be interpreted as the advice and consent. That while objection was not raised, the nomination goes through. So if the Supreme, so that what that does is it eliminates the the possibility for say a a, a Senate controlled by an opposing party uh, opposite to the president. Uh, it would prohibit them from you know just kind of stonewalling and not taking action, and for that nomination uh, dying on the vine. All right. What do you think about all this? I, I need to hear from you. Five seven five zero zero. That's the text line. But I want to get you on the phone. I want to talk to you uh, about this. I also, uh, in a moment, I'm going to share with you some attitudes held by uh, some big names on both sides of the aisle on this very issue. But more than that, I want to hear from you. So would you do me a favor? Pick up the phone. The number eight zero one five seven five eight two five five eight zero one five seven five eight two five five. Number one. Should the president be limited in how many uh, nominations to the Supreme Court? Number two, should term limits be limited? Should the Supreme Court and the justices thereof be limited by terms? 18 years of the proposal. We'll talk about it next. You are live ahead on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Live Mike. Something fascinating has happened. I requested text messages from you in the last segment on two topics. Remember, I got. I got caught off guard, and I went down a, a little tangent there talking about Santa Claus. Uh, Maria Chaleo's newscast at the bottom of the hour. Uh, that's Radio Speak for 1230. Uh, <laughs> Maria Chaleo's newscast at the bottom of the hour. Uh, it contained a, a quick little story. We call it a reader, right? She just reads a, a few lines, tells a, a pretty interesting story. Indicated that because of the COVID virus that malls around the country will likely not uh, include a Santa uh, this year, uh, specifically a Santa who welcomes uh, little kids just out gathering some Christmas cheer to sit on his lap and uh, whisper into his ear what they'd like for Christmas. Well, I said, okay, fine. Let's see if we can crowdsource a solution to this problem. I put out the call. I said five seven five zero zero that Utah Community Credit Union text line. You send me a note. Give me a suggestion on how we overcome this hurdle. How do we uh, keep Santa safe, keep the kids safe, and yet somehow preserve this little tradition? So I asked for help there. I also uh, spent a few moments there talking about the Supreme Court and a piece of legislation to be introduced tomorrow, which would put a term limit on the number of years a member of the Supreme Court could serve, 18, uh, and also uh, limit the number of nominations that a president could make during each term of office. Okay, so those are the two questions. How do we save Christmas? How do we save the Supreme Court? Text messages which have come in uh, right now, Santa is outnumbering the Supreme Court by about three to one right now. (laughs) I'm sure in there somewhere is a commentary on this or that, uh, but whatever the case, uh, 
Uh, I, I get it. I, I get the desire to weigh in on the on the Santa question uh, more so than than legislation being introduced, which could impact the future of the Supreme Court. <laughs> All right, let's get uh, let's get to it here. I, I, we do need to talk about the Supreme Court thing here. The, I mentioned over and over that it's Democrats tomorrow introducing this piece of legislation. The now the. the there are a number of items in there. Uh, it compels Senate action uh, if they, you know, if they don't, if the Senate does not uh, engage in its duty to advise and consent within 120 days. It considers that to be consent, and then the president's nomination would then go through. It also, as I mentioned a moment ago, limits the number of nominations a president can put forth during his term to two, and specifically one during the first year and one during the third year. You can do the math there and see uh, why it's the case for both of those uh, features. Actually, we understand now, uh, looking back a few years, why, uh, why someone, why specifically the Democratic Party, would like to see compulsory action uh, forced upon the Senate. And then uh, on the second we see why maybe uh, creating some sort of scenario which would avoid an election year nomination uh, would be desirous to some. But what do Americans think? There was a poll. There was a poll not too long ago uh, which looked at, essentially asked the question, uh, limiting terms. Now, now forget about limiting the president's uh, number of nominees. Forget about uh, compulsory uh, decision-making by the Senate. Forget about all that. Focus specifically on term limits. Uh, there was a poll uh, done, conducted by an organization, PSB, and it indicates, first off, that support in favor of term limits is is overwhelming. About 77% of respondents to this poll indicated that they were in favor uh, of term limits. In fact, that support uh, does not fall along uh, partisan lines either. You know, so often these these debates and these conversations uh, right now in particular in American history, uh, you can pretty much uh, figure out an individual's uh, partisan leanings based on how they answer any number of questions. This one, though, not the case. This polling seems to indicate that there's a a pretty equal uh, amount of those identifying as Republicans and Democrats uh, who believe that, quote, no one with a position as powerful as Supreme Court justice should serve for life. Yeah, you believe that? Uh, let's go to some names you've heard before uh, so that it doesn't seem like I'm beating up on Democrats here. I just want you to know that I'm not presenting, at least in my opinion here, uh, a partisan issue. Mike Huckabee, uh, right? Republican as the day is long, was once asked about term limits. Uh, That's something for discussion. I mean, let's say if we made it uh, 16 years, even 20 years, I, I, I don't have a specific arbitrary goal in mind. I just think that people, whether they're in the executive branch, legislative or judicial branch, shouldn't see their appointment to a office as permanent, uh, that it would be that they have no accountability whatsoever. And I also think that when a person can be appointed to the Supreme Court and stay there for 40 years, my gosh, they might have outlived, uh, you know, six or seven presidents during that course of time. And I'm just not sure that that's a healthy thing. It's also not a new idea. 
it's not a new concept that the that the term served by a Supreme Court justice would be limited somehow. Uh, in that same interview, uh, and I, I want to play this for you here, and in a moment we're going to go back, we're going to go to the phones. Brian, uh, very patiently waiting from Woods Cross, wants to weigh in on this. Uh, but here, Mike Huckabee continues uh, letting it be known and reminding us a little bit of history uh, that America's third president, Uh, was in favor of term limits for Supreme Court justices. By the way, Thomas Jefferson wanted there to be term limits for uh, members of the Supreme Court, pushed for it. But the consensus was, gee, nobody will stay that long. It's not necessary to put it in the Constitution. I think if Jefferson were here today, he just said, I wish uh, he'd have pushed harder. I never would have considered uh, this argument, but you kind of heard it embedded in what uh, Mike Huckabee there referenced in terms of Jefferson's rationale in that, and it was that uh, no one would stick around that long. Uh, the, the reference there was to, interestingly, uh, human life expectancy, specifically American life expectancy, uh, was uh, significantly less then during the founding years than it is today. And as odd a, uh, as odd a talking point as it is, uh, people are living longer today than they were uh, when this nation was founded. Uh, should that be a factor? I don't know. Uh, but here to talk about factors, Brian from Woods Cross, patiently waiting. Brian, sir, what do you think? Well, hi. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, first, I think that not only are life expectancies getting longer, but presidents have figured out that if they uh, appoint somebody earlier, younger, that they'll be in there and have a longer effect. And so I think that both we've got both ends coming to the middle and so the life expectancy is so long if if the person is young, like uh, the new nominee is. Um, but I, I think that it would be wise. I don't like to circumvent the Constitution. I'd rather see an amendment uh, than some just some law passed. But right. I think that a, a term limit would be good. I don't think I like the rest of the stuff that's in the bill. Um, I would limit it to 18 or maybe 22 years. You get a couple of presidents that don't have a choice on that particular seat. And that keeps the politics out of it if you go 18 years. If it was 16, it wouldn't be enough. Uh, and I wouldn't want to do it 20 because that's on, a, on an election year. But I would do either 18 or 22. And I think it would be a wise thing to do considering uh, how much younger uh, they're appointing and how much longer they're staying on the court. Yeah, very good, Brian. Those are two great points you bring up. Uh, first, the uh, the nomination and appointment of younger uh, justices. We learned what last week, though, that uh, uh, the notorious ACB. Can I say that? Is that uh, I, I can't say that. No. Um, well, uh, anyway, uh, this Amy Coney Barrett, who has been nominated by President Trump, uh, thirty eight years old. Uh, and she, though, is not the youngest. We remember about a, a century ago, if I remember the dates correctly, there was a, a 32-year-old justice appointed. The other point that uh, uh, that Brian brought up there from Woods Cross is something that I, I wanted to get to here, ran out of time, but it is the idea that, you know, it is the Constitution, the, the United States Constitution, which spells out how these justices ought to serve and how long they ought to serve, that it is a lifetime appointment. And yet, how is it that this piece of legislation here is is expecting to make its way through the uh, legislative process, regular order, as they call it, without without altering the Constitution? And is that wise? Should uh, a, a simple piece of legislation, conventional legislation, which doesn't alter uh, or amend the Constitution, how's that possible? Well, uh, very simply, and time is very tight here, uh, I'll tell you that it is the idea that those justices sitting currently 
uh, would not be subject to the term limit. And then that one detail I mentioned earlier, where at the culmination of 18 years, those justices would then be essentially demoted, that uh, maintaining their lifetime federal judicial appointment. All right, we're going to take a break. When we return, we're looking at Trump's tax returns, at least according to The New York Times. That's ahead on Live Mike. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.